Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm Carl Richter. With a local screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show coming up, I wanted to talk to a fan about why it's been so popular for almost 50 years. In Larry Wiesel, I hit the jackpot. He's been passionate about Rocky Horror for three decades and is president of the official fan club. We talked about the show's history, cast, music, and what's made it so special to generations of fans. Texarkana's Perot Theater will present the Rocky Horror Picture Show on Friday, October 28th. Here's my conversation with Larry Visa. Joining me on the phone from Phoenix, Arizona, it's Larry Wiesel. Hi, Larry. Hello. How are you? Great. Um, why don't you tell us about your life with Rocky Horror? You are a super fan, to say the least. Yes. Uh, I've been involved in Rocky Horror since 1992. Um, I started at a little theater in Paramus, New Jersey. And uh, I went one night. My friend Dave wanted to go. He didn't want to go see it with someone who had seen it before. And I was the first friend that kind of fit that bill. And I was also a... Uh, the first one that was free. Mm-hmm. And I went that one night and I thought, okay, well, that was fun. I didn't think I would go again, but now here I am 30 years later, still going to see Rocky Horror. Yeah. I was going to ask how that happened where it's such a big part of your life. Yeah. Um, so I went to college in Albany, New York, and they didn't have any screenings there. Um, and I kind of decided at that point, I was like, well, I think I'd love to do a screening on campus. And it, I had gone to a small convention in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, maybe I can bring that convention to Albany, New York. And I tried running a little convention. And I think the thing that made it work was that no one told me I couldn't do it. Like there was no one stopping me. Right. So here I am 19 years old and I organized the convention in Albany, New York, and it was attended by fans from all over the Northeast. And some people, even as far as, you know, uh, New Mexico came out to this convention and it was great. It was a great time. Um, And I think since that point, you know, because no one said, Hey, don't do that. I just kept doing it and kept having more and more fun with Rocky Horror. So now you run the fan club. Mm -hmm. You're the co-author of the the Rocky Horror treasury, a tribute to the ultimate cult classic. And you've done conventions and shows all Across the world, correct? Yeah, I'm on tour right now with Barry Bostwick. Um, we were doing a show in, we did a show last night in Phoenix, Arizona, and then uh, there's a couple shows in California, and then we're going to be doing the East Coast. And for those who don't know, Barry Bostwick it played Brad Majors in the movie. Right. He was the original Brad Majors, yep. And I understand you have a big collection of memorabilia, too. I do. Lots and lots of stuff. I don't even know if I can list it all, but some of the, the more fun pieces are, uh, I have some costumes from the movie. I have, um, little Nell's bustier and I have Peter Hinwood's, um, floor show boa. Mm. Uh, I have the contracts for the, uh, the artists between the studio and the artists, uh, for Barry Bostwick, Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, Meatloaf and Richard O'Brien. Um, I have a Japanese press book that's signed by everybody in the cast, like all, all 10 principals and a whole bunch of the, uh, the Transylvanians and uh, the crew members and things like that. Um, I have 
uh, oversized posters. I have some very rare posters. Uh, I have the original handwritten lyrics from uh, Richard O'Brien when he wrote science fiction double feature. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and it's fun if you flip it over. He has little notes that he wrote on the different muscle, you know, muscles in the body so that he can figure out the rhymes for um, I Can Make You a Man. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So uh, that's, a, that's a few of the things I've got. Um, it's a, just a, a large collection of, of Rocky Horror memorabilia. Are you still doing the uh, shadow cast? So right now, mostly I, I just do the shows in the, in Halloween time. Uh, uh, what I do is uh, I MC the shows and then I will, you know, organize a local shadow cast to come and do these, these larger venue shows. Okay. So for those people who may have been under a rock for the past 50 years, mm-hmm. how do you describe the whole thing? Sure. Uh, so uh, it's an audience preservation movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a simple story about uh, a boy meets girl, wants, you know, proposes to girl, and uh, they go on a little road trip to see their professor. Their car breaks down on a stormy night, and they go up to a castle like the old Frankenstein stories. Uh, except this time, it's not Frankenstein creating a monster. The monster that he's creating is actually going to be his sex slave. I don't want to give anything away. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the story gets crazier from there, and uh, it's musical. So uh, that's the basic premise of the show. And it was a send-up of 1950s uh, horror movies, of the universal horror movies. And they went from there to screening it at midnight. They tried it on you know, regular movies, didn't really do well. Then they put the movie on at midnight, and it went great at midnight. Um, and as it was a screening, uh, people started interacting with the movie. There were people who were yelling things and talking back to the screen. And then someone said after they had seen the first, you know, after someone first yelled back at the screen, the next thing they said was, well, let me try and come up with my own thing to yell back at the screen. And that kind of grew week on week. And then uh, people started dressing up for the movie and coming in fancy costumes, dressing up like the characters of the movie. So it was a uh, grew from there to what's been going on now for the last almost 50 years. And we mentioned shadow cast. Can you describe what that is to people? Sure. Uh, the shadow casts are the people who are uh, the organized performers that, that do act out the show in front of the screen. Okay. Uh, and they have them all over the country, all over the world even. Uh, and they act out what goes on in front of the screen. All right. I should tell our local audience that, that's not going to be happening at the screening we're having here this month, but uh, I've been to a show with Shadowcast, and it's really wonderful. Anyway, you, you, at heart, it's a musical, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first rock musicals, correct? I guess there was Jesus Christ Superstar uh, yep. first. Can you just talk about how the music has held up and how that's influenced musical theater since nineteen seventy? Five or seventy three, I guess, was the stage show. Correct. Started as a started as a play in nineteen seventy three, and the music just um, it's a fun little rock and roll show, and the music sings to uh, uh, you know generations of fans that have seen it time and time again. Uh, Science fiction double feature is the opening number. It's a send up of uh, it's an homage to old science fiction movies. Mm -hmm. Um. 
and then you have the time warp, which is the big dance number, and every good musical needs a good dance number that kind of, you know, it's like the twister or uh, something like that that gets everybody to do a dance, right? They all they all have this dance, and it's it's played at weddings and bar mitzvahs all over the world. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, the the other songs that are iconic. I mean, you have the um, uh, Frank Swan song of um, of I'm Going Home. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just a really touching musical number that um, Frank sings and and kind of gets the whole audience in tears sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, it's it's really a good a good musical uh, theater production, um, and it's it's fun to see on stage. Um, and it translated well into a movie. Um, but you, I think, really the way that the kind of shadow cast bring it to life is because it's so theatrical, it just naturally translates to people wanting to make it live. Right. Uh, And this is really a lot about community, isn't it? I mean, people form friendships and uh, so forth going to the shows. All my friends are from, you know, the world of Rocky Horror. Um, I met my wife through Rocky Horror. My kids are alive and exist because of Rocky Horror. (laughs) Um, and it's, you hear this sort of story over and over again. One word that's used to describe it a lot is camp. Do you, do you agree with that? How do you see uh, what camp means? Yeah, I, well, camp was very, you know, uh, I'd say popular in, in that era. Uh, you know, you think of camp as the 1960s Batman, right? Like that mm-hmm. is the ultimate v- expression of camp. Um, and if you can compare the Adam West Batman to the Christopher Nolan Batman, you can see what camp is. Camp is defined as the Adam West Batman, right? And right. I think Rocky Horror was along those same, that same vein. Like if you look at the universal horror movies that were uh, from uh, the 30s and the movies that they're trying to parody from the science fiction films of the 50s, um, this was clearly a send-up of that. And that's, that's where I would say the camp comes in. And that's a big part of the appeal, Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's that it's not it's not so serious. It's it's a it's a very fun um, experience of of the show. Yeah, I was speaking to a local fan uh, earlier today and she described it as both wholesome and naughty. (laughs) There's sort of that uh, strange juxtaposition of uh, sort of transgressiveness, but there's a lot of familiarity about it, too. Yeah, well, I mean, the the uh, the transgressiveness is that, you know, you have these these topics that were very taboo back then and still are uh, topical today, you know, um, uh, cross-dressing and um, uh, transgender identity uh, still translates today. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the the base story of just finding yourself. Uh, really, if you look at the story, it, it could even be compared biblically. Uh, you have uh, Brad and Janet or Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden, which is uh, Frank's castle, and they're eating the forbidden fruit. And once they end the show, they they have knowledge that they didn't have before, and their relationship can't be the same as, as it was when they started. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy that that's the way, if you look at the story, it's, it's the same sort of uh, themes that you have going all the way back to some of the oldest stories in the world. Right. I just rewatched it last night and I was struck by how the sexuality in it is still, it's so upfront. I don't want to say it's shocking, but 
it's just so unabashed. Uh, it's still striking, I guess, is a, a good word. Do you, do you think anything's been lost over the years um, since queer culture is now so mainstream and familiar to people? Yeah, I think that, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have the same shock value as it had in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it applies to today. I think that the familiarity is kind of what um, um, brings up the the family aspect of it, right? Like we've we've all grown up in in this Rocky Horror world, and, and the world has grown up around us. Um, so I don't think that I think it's a little bit of its time. But clearly, the fact that it's still getting the audience. Uh, and that people are still coming to see the show and still people, the, the show still resonates with people that uh, it's, you know, it's clearly topical and still definitely applies to, to modern culture. Yeah. I was looking at the uh, fan club website, which has a really uh, comprehensive listing of all the screenings yep, and especially this screens. month, mm-hmm. it's just hundreds of them all over the world. Yeah, it's crazy. I found their screenings uh, in Russia was the one that surprised me is that there was not just in Moscow, but also in St. Petersburg, huh. uh, you know, two shadow casts, uh, go, two shadow cast screening going on in Russia. I would have never expected that. Um, yeah, all over the world, Russia, Mexico, Canada, uh, Prague, um, Taiwan. Uh, yeah, everywhere. So let's talk about the cast a little bit. Um Susan Sarandon, was this her first movie? Uh, if it wasn't her first, it was one of her firsts. I think uh, she might have done a movie called Joe, I think, came before this one. And I looked it up. It's her voice. She's singing, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I who knew that she could sing so well? Guys, she didn't even know she could sing so well. <laughs> um, and I think she she kind of took the movie to to challenge herself to sing that well. Yeah. And Barry Boswick, you mentioned, who's mm-hmm. gone on to have a long acting career. I, I believe I, I recall him playing George Washington at one point, I think. Yep, in a TV miniseries. Yeah. Uh, uh, he also played the mayor of New York on Spin City. Ah, right, right. So what's he like personally if, since you've gotten to meet him in person? Yeah, he's great. He's, uh, he's, he's probably one of the nicest people you could ever meet. He's very down to earth. Um, he loves the fans. He loves Rocky horror. And that's why I think he's, you know, going to do all these shows these days. And of course the great Tim Curry as Fr- Dr. Frank Inferter, uh, what an iconic performance. Uh, there's nothing that'll ever compare to what Tim Curry did on that screen. Say more about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when he takes off that cape, uh, everybody just gasps when you see Tim Curry, um, and in that outfit, it's, it's, you know, it's just iconic. Um, and I think for a while he felt that he was very typecast in that role and, and, you know, he tried to escape it, but he's since embraced the fans and he really does, uh, enjoy Rocky horror and and the Rocky horror world. Uh, he played, uh, the criminologist in a recent remake. Is that right? Yep. Uh, it was, um, with Laverne Cox played Frank, uh, but he got to play the, the criminologist that was filmed in Toronto. Uh, I was very happy. I actually got to go down to the set. Uh, I was actually for not Rocky horror purposes. I was up there in Toronto for work. Um, and I called the producer, I called Lou Adler. I said, can I come down to see the movie, you know, to the set? And he's like, sure, come on down. 
uh, I sent a picture of me at the castle to my wife and she said, Oh wow. You're at the, at the castle. Like you're at the, the filming of the movie. Um, and I told Lou that, you know, my, that she wanted to, uh, to come down too. And she, he said, well, why don't you come down on this date? Cause Tim Curry is filming. Uh, so we went back up to Canada and got to see Tim Curry film his scenes as the criminologist. It was amazing. Did you get to meet him personally? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw him there and I saw him, uh, at the, uh, at the opening night in Los Angeles, um, for the, for the remake. Um, and I also met him a couple of times before that too. Have you met any other cast members? Um, yeah, I've met, uh, Patricia Quinn and little Nell and Susan Sarandon, uh, and Richard O'Brien. Uh, and I think that's, oh, and meatloaf. And I think that's it. Yeah. And then uh, no, I've also met some of the Transylvanians too. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, is Richard O'Brien still with us? Yep, he is. He lives in New Zealand. He's retired now. What's he like personally? I mean, what a, a creative genius to have come up with this in the first place. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, the the stuff he came up with for this movie and and for the for the play was just great. I mean, it's just because you know he he knew what he was writing. He was writing a, a little fairy tale about movies. Um, that influenced him when he was a kid. He liked going to see these movies at his local cinema. There's so and, many references in the in the lyrics. Yeah, uh, all the science fiction movies of the 50s are all referenced uh, in that opening song, and then also in just throughout the movie, you can you can see all the um, clear influences to uh, the Frankenstein movies and the uh, and Dracula and things like that. And King Kong. King Kong. Yep. So do you have any tips for first timers, virgins, they're called? Yeah, uh, just go with it. Um, <laughs> number one, if there's a cast and they're doing some sort of de-virginization, don't be afraid of it. Just enjoy yourself on stage. It's just a, you know, a rite of passage more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, don't feel obligated to go in and, and have to follow every rigid detail. Just literally go in and experience your first time. Just, just have fun. Um, enjoy the people yelling stuff and then see if you can come up with something of your own to yell. Uh, that's, that's the best way to, to say is just go have fun, be yourself and, and uh, enjoy the experience. All right. Thanks so much for taking a minute to uh, talk to us today. Um, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. On the line is a Texarkana Gazette podcast recorded in Star Bear Studio, right here in downtown Texarkana, USA. Follow On the Line on Twitter at OTLTXK and on our website, texarkanagazette.com slash podcast. To support the show, post a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. The show is written Produced and edited by yours truly, Carl Richter. And I'd love to hear from you. Email me at krichter at texarcanagazette.com. I'll see you next time on the line.